What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. The American Revolution gave way to a group of people who decided they no longer wanted to be underneath the control and tyranny of Great Britain. This unfortunately led to a series of wars, of course, back in the 1700s. And I will say that I am not a fan of war. But there are times when war is the only doorway to experience peace and freedom. And the whole purpose of the American Rev- uh, Revolution was so that the people living in the colonies many years ago could experience freedom from Great Britain. And you have heard these words before that I read to you. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That phrase, that sentence, goes down as one of the most famous sentences in all of American literature from the Declaration of Independence. Today, as we think about this, we know that people who reside in America, people who've never set foot in America, people who are living here that are not official citizens just yet, people who are living here who are citizens, and people who are way across the Atlantic and Pacific know about this Declaration of Independence. But I submit to you today, as thankful that I am to live in America, as thankful I am to be, to be able to be born into this nation and to experience this level of freedom, it is only a type of freedom that we see found in Jesus. Keep in mind, people from all over the world are seeking to come to America to seek what is freedom. But I want to ask you a question today. What exactly is freedom? What is it? Is freedom the ability to to live wherever you want to live? Is freedom the ability to get a job where you desire to get a job? Is freedom the ability to go to whatever college you want to go to? Is freedom the ability to get married and have children? What exactly is freedom? Well, I submit to you today that none of that is freedom. And that if you are here today and you are an American citizen, which I think all of us are today, that this is only a type of freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. Because true freedom, my friend, is only found in Jesus Christ. And I say this respectfully today, that if you're a citizen of America and not a citizen of heaven, then living in America is the closest thing to true freedom that you'll ever get. But I also say this, that if you're a believer today and you live here in America like we do, then this is the closest thing to slavery that you'll ever experience. You see, America is a place where we think of the land of the free and the home of the brave, but those who are not in Christ are still not involved in a land of freedom and still enslaved to the shackles of sin. 
True freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. Now, that being said, I think that John chapter 8 is probably the greatest example of freedom we have in the entirety of the New Testament and perhaps even the Old Testament. The whole canon of Scripture we find when we think about what is freedom, we go to John chapter 8. Because it is in this scene when Jesus is saying that when you know the truth, the truth will set you or make you free. And I want to ask this question today. Why is Christ able to set us free or to give us true freedom? I wonder, do you have true freedom today? Yes, you're an American. Yes, you're free. Free from the bondage of any other nation to lord over us. Free to do whatever we desire with whomever we desire it with. But if you do not know Jesus, then you do not know freedom. Why is Christ able to set us free or to give us true freedom? Well, first of all, I want to draw your attention before we dive into the meat of this chapter that we read from verses 28 down to verse 38. I want to zoom in and focus on the first section of the chapter. That is verses 1 through 11. And I want to share this first thought to you. The first reason why I believe Jesus is able to give us true freedom. Thought number one, consider this. Christ gives us true freedom because he can forgive sin. Christ gives us true freedom because he can forgive sin. Now, if you are any kind of student of the Bible, then you will know that the first 11 verses of John chapter 8 are a hot debate amongst scholars today. Uh, some will say that this should be in the New Testament, and some will say this should not be in the New Testament. And the purpose of our discussion today is not to get into that debate today. But the point is simply this, where if you believe it should be included in the Scripture or excluded from the Scripture, here's the point this text is saying to us today. It is revealing to us that there, it, there are people who are sinners, and that there are Pharisees out there who are trying to trip people up, but there is a Savior who can free us from the bondage of sin. And whether this event is exactly what took place in history or it is a story that got inserted later on, listen, we can talk about that some other time, but this, this text reveals that Jesus has the power to free us from the bondage of sin. In John chapter 8, verse 1, I want to draw your attention now. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives here. The Bible says it's early in the morning. He comes to the temple and he's beginning to teach these people in the temple. And, they, and these scribes and Pharisees bring to him a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they say, hey, Moses says this, but what do you say? You know, the interesting thing about this story here is where's the man? They only brought the woman here. Where's the man who is also involved in this adulterous affair? Anyways, Jesus, he, he, he kneels to the ground and he writes something in the ground. And, and did you know, I found it very interesting. This is the only time in the New Testament that we read about Jesus writing something down. So consider this. If you want to have a long and lasting legacy after you are dead and gone, a lot of people will record songs. A lot of people will write books. A lot of people will figure out ways to record their writings. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was so influential that he didn't write any books, he didn't write any songs, and we're still talking about him today. And in fact, people write books about him and write songs about him. That's influence right there. And I think the reason why he was so influential is because the life that he lived was so powerful. Here in this verse, he writes down something. I don't know what it was. I wish I do, knew. Some have suggested he wrote down grace and truth. I don't know. Some suggest he wrote down love. I don't know what he wrote down. We'll find out one day. But it's interesting 
he kneels down and writes in the sand and then as if he never heard them. And so they begin to continually ask him and ask him and ask him. And he says this, he says, if you are without sin, cast the first stone. And so what Jesus is saying to us right here in this passage today, that all of us are sinners. We're all like that woman because Jesus knows all things and he has caught us in the very act of our sin, even perhaps right now. And he kneels down again and he writes on the ground a second time. And in this time, in verse number nine, the Bible says that these Pharisees and scribes, they began to be convicted of the words that Jesus said. And they left one by one. And he looks to this lady and he asks her, where are all of your accusers? Is there any man who's here to condemn you? The word condemn means to sentence one as guilty. And she says in verse 11, look at this verse. It says, she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. As I read this passage today, if you want freedom, it's only found in Jesus Christ. Because he can forgive sin. This passage is, is so encouraging because whether we have lied, whether we've stolen, whether we've said God's name in vain, whether we have committed adultery or we've just looked upon with lust, whether we've committed the act of murder or we've had hate lodge in our hearts, whether we've covered after somebody's house, car, or spouse, whatever it is, whether we've disobeyed our parents or whatever it is, we have broken God's commandment and God can forgive us from our transgressions. You know, just the other day I was at the fair and I was sharing the gospel with a student there and it was a young lady and I asked her, I said, have you ever disobeyed your parents? And she says, oh no. And dad was standing right there and said, oh yes, she has. <laughs> So I submit to you today that there are certain people in our world who think they have not sinned, but this passage reveals to us that God, one day when we stand before him, he's going he's gonna to uncover every time in our lives where we have sinned against him. And listen, if you don't know Jesus, you're in bondage. You're enslaved to the shackles and chains of sin. But if you know Jesus, there was a time you were in jail. In time you were, you were incarcerated. You were an inmate and Satan was the chief of captains in the jail. And Jesus stepped in and liberated you from your sins. In fact, if you have your Bibles there, draw, I want to draw your attention now to verse number 32 and to verse number 36. Because in these verses, we read the word free. Would you say that with me? Free. Say it again. Free. Say it again. Free. The Bible says here in verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, does this mean that I will know the truth that as Brother Joel said earlier, two plus two equals four? Does this mean I will know the truth that the grass is green? Does this mean I will know the truth that Chevy is better than Ford or that Ford is better than Chevy? I don't know. Does this mean I will know the truth that, that the sun and the, the moon give light to the earth? No, those are all true. But keep the context in mind what Jesus is talking about. Look at verse 36. Yes, he's talking about freedom here, about being liberated. 
But the context is simply this. In verse 36, Jesus says, if the Son. So he says, if I myself shall make you free, you will be free indeed. Now it's interesting here. In our English Bible, in verse number 36, it's the same word, free and free. But in the Greek Bible, the first free is the same word found in verse 32. And it does mean the idea of liberated. The moment in which God liberates you. The chains are gone. But then in verse number 36, the second free, it gives the idea that they have once been liberated and they are now no longer a slave to a person or to an individual. They are a free man or a free woman. Just as Harriet Tubman many years ago led, as Moses led the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt, she led many of our African-American brothers and sisters of that day out of the bondage of slavery and the colonies and the place here in our soil. And today I submit to you that just like they did that, Jesus can step in and lead us away from the bondage of our sins through forgiveness, true freedom. Is only found in Jesus Christ. My friend, do you know that freedom today? If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Why is Christ able to give us true freedom? Well, we've observed because He has the power to forgive sin. But secondly, secondly, Christ gives us true freedom because He is the Messiah. In verse 12 down to verse 32, we see this amazing discussion that Jesus begins to have with these people. These Pharisees are there. These Jewish people are present. And and the theme of this section of Scripture is Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. I am the light shining truth in the midst of this darkened world. And these Pharisees are questioning on on his authority. And he begins to say that I am of the Father. And the Father and I bear witness. And he begins to quote how that in the Old Testament law, there should be two or three witnesses and every word will be established upon that. But I want to draw your attention to verse number 24. Because these Jewish people, they they didn't quite get it. Verse 24, Jesus is continuing this discussion about how he is not of this world and how they are of this world. And he says, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. Check it out now. If you die in your sins, it means you die in a lost condition and you do not know Jesus as your Savior and the blood is not covering your sins. Here it says, look at verse 24. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. What does this mean? This means that Jesus is the promised, anointed one called Christ and Messiah. This means that the prophet Isaiah, the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Daniel, the prophet Jeremiah, and all the prophets, Moses himself, are all speaking about a promised one to come who would liberate his people from the bondage of sin. He's Messiah. And he says, if you don't believe that I am the one who had come down and Isaiah said, be born of a virgin. And as Micah said, be born in Bethlehem. And as Isaiah said, to go to the cross and to die a gruesome death. 
And as the psalmist said, to be resurrected again the third day, if you do not believe that I am Messiah, you will die in your sinful state without forgiveness. Now, it's interesting here. The law is being referenced, and, and these Jewish people, they understood the law. They, in fact, many of them probably had the appropriate, appropriate education and letters and degrees. And they knew about the 600 and some laws of the Old Testament. And it's interesting, in Galatians chapter 5, and verse number 1, you don't need to turn there, but you can perhaps make note of it. But throughout the New Testament, the same word that's used as free here in, in this passage about how Jesus gives us freedom is the same word that the Apostle Paul uses in, in Galatians chapter 5, and verse 1, when he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, these people were trying to bring the people back into the extremities of keeping the law. But Jesus came to fulfill the law and to free us from the bondage of not just sin, but also the bondage of the law. In fact, nobody, not you, not me, not these Jews then, could keep the law in every degree. I mean, consider those Ten Commandments. We've actually broken them all at some point in our life. We cannot keep the law. And so the law, the purpose is simply this. God gave us his law to, 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 to shed light upon our sinful state so that we can see our desperate need of his grace. That's what Paul writes about in Romans. And I believe Jesus is highlighting the fact that when you understand that he is Messiah, you'll realize that you cannot live according to the law and you need God's grace. And God's grace is not found through church membership. God's grace is not found through baptism. God's grace is found through the shed blood of the cross and by faith in him alone. Christ gives us true freedom because he is the Messiah. Christ gives us true freedom because he can forgive sin. True freedom, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, is only found in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I would like to draw your attention now. As Jesus is having this discussion, we saw earlier that Jesus invites this woman caught in adultery to experience pardon and to be delivered from her sins. And then he begins to speak to these Pharisees about how he is the light of the world and the truth found in him. And then in verse 33, he begins to have this discussion about these Pharisees and their tradition with Abraham being their father. Christ, thirdly today, why is he able to give us true freedom? Thirdly, Christ gives us true freedom because he is the eternal son of God. Christ gives us true freedom because he is the eternal son of God. Here in this moment, the Jews look to Jesus, and they say, what, what's the deal with this freedom stuff, man? <laughs> we're not slaves to anybody. How can we be made free if we're not entangled by the bondage of chains? And Jesus says in verse 34, you're indeed a slave. You're a slave to sin. Verse 35 says that... The servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. And then in verse 36, it says, If the son therefore shall make you free, you will be free. Indeed. Talk about freedom. And Jesus says, I know that you are Abraham's seed. In other words, their lineage is down through 
Abraham. In fact, remember, in the book of Genesis, God called Abraham to go out of his place to establish a new nation. And he had a son named Isaac. And eventually, as the years go by, they had a mighty nation. And it was a time when God raised up Moses to lead them out. And now we see how the Israelites, the Jewish people, are far more numerous than even the stars in the sky and the sand in the sea. And so he says, hey, I know that. I know that you're Abraham's seed. But if Abraham was truly your father, you would understand who I am. I'm Messiah, and I have power to forgive sin. And he says, you, in fact, would do the works of Abraham if you were Abraham's son and daughters. And he begins to elaborate how they are seeking to kill him. And he actually says in verse 41 that you're doing the deeds of your father. And in verse 44, he says their father is not Abraham. Their father is Satan himself. That's tough words. How would you like it if I said your father's not your father, your father's the devil? <laughs> I would say you would, you would lead a revolution to get me out of this job, wouldn't you? <laughs> but here... He says, in fact, in fact, the, the Jewish people begin to, to think, we're not Ill illegitimate children here. And in fact, in their minds, they're, they're thinking, oh man, we're going to get this kid. <laughs> his mom is Mary and his stepfather's Joseph. <laughs> we're going to get this boy because he's an illegitimate child. No, they can't. And he begins to reiterate in verse 45 how he is speaking the truth. And he says, that if you heard me, you would hear the truth of God. But because you do not hear me, you do not hear the truth. And they respond and they say, are you saying that we're calling you a Samaritan and we're saying that you're possessed by a demon? And Jesus responds and says, I am not possessed by a demon. He says, I do honor my father and you dishonor me. And then he says in verse 51, if you keep my word, you will not see death and then in this moment the Jews charge him with blasphemy they say listen now Jesus Jesus come on now Abraham is dead and all the prophets are dead and you're saying that if a man keeps your saying they will not even taste of death and they looked at him in verse 53 and they said are you sir with respect, Jesus, are you saying that you are greater than our father, Abraham, who is dead, who's buried in the grave? And are you saying that you are greater than the prophets who have preached on behalf of God and his spirit, and now they're all dead? Who exactly are you? What a charge to say to Jesus. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, who obviously had a background in, the Jew, in Jew, Jewish belief, would, would, would reveal the superiority of Christ, how Christ is greater than the law, how Christ is greater than the prophets, how Christ is greater than Joshua, greater than Moses, and greater than even Abraham himself. My friends, Jesus is greater. These people, unfortunately, didn't recognize that he was Messiah, and he was greater than every messenger that God previously sent to them. And he begins to realize and, and reveal to them, your father, in verse 56, Abraham whom you claim to be your father, would, re would, would rejoice to have lived in this moment right now because of the fruition and fulfillment of the prophets. 
words. And then they looked at Jesus. And they said, Lord, um, Jesus, you, you realize, listen, man, you're not even 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham? Um, did you go back in time? Did you, are you smoking something? Did you, did you have something to drink that you shouldn't have drank earlier, Jesus? And Jesus responds by saying, before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is important here because it is in verse 58 that we realize that Jesus is the eternal son of God. It is in this moment that we see that God is infinite, that God is creator. You know, as I was at the fair on Thursday, I was sharing the gospel with this little, little child, this little young boy. And um, I, I, we had these beads and bracelets that we would make them. And, and it's a, a string here. And we had five colors in there. The first color is, is yellow. And it represents God and heaven and how God is perfect. And God one day created this world. And I began to go through the story. And the young man paused and said, hey, I, I've got a question. Who created God? Smart little boy. <laughs> can be a hard question to answer, but it's actually very simplistic when you understand the fact that God is outside of time, God is outside of space, God is outside of matter because he created it, he put it into place. And so God is eternal. That means that God never had a beginning and God never has an ending. And it is in this moment when Jesus is, is reiterating to them that I am the son of God, the one who always was, the one who is, and the one who always will be. He's saying, I never had a beginning. He's saying, I'm the one who called Abraham out of Haran to go to the land of Canaan. And it is in this moment that I believe Jesus is reiterating how he is God incarnate in the flesh. You know, a lot of people will say, well, can you show me a Bible verse where Jesus said, quote, I am God in the flesh, unquote. I can't show you a specific verse saying those exact words, but what I can show you is this verse right here. Because it is in this verse that he is saying he is God in the flesh. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, by the, the verbiage that he uses and by the reaction of the Pharisees and the scribes. Verse 59 says that they went and they grabbed stones because they wanted to cast him out and stone him to death because he was saying he was God and committed blasphemy in their eyes. Jesus sets us free because, yes, he can forgive sin. Yes, he is the Messiah, but also because he is the eternal Son of of God. True freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know exactly where my ancestors descended from. My guess would be Europe. But you know, people from Europe, people from Asia, people from Africa, people from South America, people from all over are flocking to America to experience what we have. Because listen, I've been to other nations. And while there are great other nations, not most of them are not like America. Most of them, we don't have the, the luxury of freedom like here. They don't. But I say this, that this Independence Day as you're there, maybe watching the fireworks or, or there eating burgers and dogs with your family or whatever you might be doing to celebrate it. Maybe you get a, a, um, a Statue of Liberty costume and you're going to go out running around. I don't know what you're going to do. 
But whatever you're doing, I want you just to pause and reflect and thank God that he allowed you to live in this nation, but also to thank God how this nation that has freedom is only a type of a greater freedom found in Christ. True freedom is only found in Jesus. Just, in the, just like in the 1700s, those people led a revolution to get underneath the control and the, the authority of the power of Great Britain. We know that God has allowed in his infinite providential plans Satan to have jurisdiction over this land as the prince of the power of the air. And the prophets preached about how there would come a Messiah who would lead a revolution to overthrow the enemy of darkness. And his name is Jesus. And I call it the Christian revolution. And today in conclusion, I want to read something to you that has the spirit of the Declaration of Independence but it is not America's Declaration of Independence. It is the church's Declaration of Independence. Listen to these words. We hold this truth to be self-existent. That all men are created by God. That they have been fashioned in His image with certain undeniable responsibilities. That among these are faith, charity, and hope with the pursuit of of holiness. I wonder, is there anybody here today who would be willing to declare their independence from Satan's rule and reign on this planet? I wonder, is there anybody here today who'd be willing to declare their independence from the shackles and chains and bondage of sin in this world? I wonder, is there anybody here today who'd be willing to say, I'm going to declare my independence from the legalism from the law because I cannot keep the law and I need Jesus' grace. I wonder, is there anybody here today who'd be willing to lay aside their tradition and to claim independence found only in Jesus for true freedom? My friends, true freedom is only found in Jesus Christ. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.